Welcome to Ravens at the Crossroads. I'm Mistress Prime. I'm Tyler Matthews. And today we're speaking with Orion Foxwood. Welcome, Orion. Hi, thank you. It's good to be on here. Well, thank you so much. Orion is a well-known author, presenter, and teacher. Uh, he's based on the East Coast, but he does make his way out to the West Coast several times a year. Uh, so, Orion, I would like to share with our listeners uh, about yourself, about your history, where you came from. Sure. Um, well, I was originally uh, born down in the Shenandoah Valley uh, at the Winchester Memorial Hospital. And um, I'm, a, I'm basically an Appalachian boy, Southern Appalachian, well, Southern and Appalachian, because Virginia culture as a whole certainly is, is, uh, is, is Southern. In fact, uh, people argue with me about that sometimes who are from the Deep South and say, you know, Virginia's not Southern. I said, you're right, it's not. It's the capital, capital of the South. But unfortunately, it, it being that was not uh, a good thing. It was right. Poor. But um, I grew up in uh, outside Winchester, Virginia, Shenandoah Valley, and uh, where in an area where both Appalachian culture comes down from the mountains, the Blue Ridge, and Southern culture is there embedded, um, and was highly influenced by folk magic um, in the community and my family, um, snake handlers. Um, mm. Uh, conjure folks, although they didn't use that word so much. They used it maybe twice or three times. Usually that word is used more like in the Carolinas and and and, and actually further towards Atlanta and uh, hoodoos used a little bit more in New Orleans. But where I came from, they called it spirit doctoring or spirit doctors. Mm, okay. um, but that was just one of the names. There was, you know, different names for different types. Granny women who were uh, midwives. You know, there's uh, charmers, which is one of the things that um, I would be called as a charmer uh, because I remember the charms, the charms to staunch blood, the star charms to uh, affect a fever, you know, uh, improve some type of health and well-being, all kinds of them. So I know a lot of them. And so, and the elders, you know, shared those with me. So that shaped my early life. Um, my mama was born... Uh, in a place called Old Hollingsworth Place, which is an old plantation. And her mom, the woman who midwifed her, because they were Appalachian and they were um, sharecroppers, her and her, you know, her family, grandma, granddad, and uh, her brothers. And so they couldn't afford no doctor. As mama would say, we were poor, not poor. We couldn't afford the other OR. Um, and <laughs> that's how I met a woman in my life, uh, in my early life, named Miss Granny. That's what we affectionately knew her as. And she was a midwife that birthed my mama and that I knew when I got to meet and spend some time with up until maybe, I think it was maybe seven years old, but that might be pushing it. I don't mm. remember the exact day she died. And the, the talk is that she was 111 when she died. Holy cow. And she was, um, she was a little girl when the Emancipation Proclamation happened. And so uh, as a little boy, I got to hear the stories and that shaped so much of my life today. Um, and yeah, so that's where I was born, um, running in the orchards, you know, and, and um, a lot of farming around me, uh, grew up very close to nature. In fact, for me, the whole concept of the goddess, uh, I wrote a section in a book 
have to pull out the name. I don't remember right off, but it was, they interviewed or had uh, gay men write in this wonderful book, um, their, how they found the goddess. And it was really a, a really inspiring book. And I told them that, you know, really um, she was with me all along, but I never knew her as uh, such a highfalutin city-fied kind of word as goddess. Right. Right. Um, I, uh, I knew her as what I called the mother spirit or the everywhere spirit. And so as a, a little boy, um, there was a lot of domestic violence around me, a lot of alcoholism. It was very poor. And sometimes it got so bad, so hard, I would run off to the woods. Mom always knew where I was, so she didn't worry too much. Um, I'd run off to the woods and lay down on the floor of the woods and look up at the leaves, you know, formed by the tree canopy. And um, I would feel this presence that would come out from the little spaces between the leaves. Really, it came out of everything. And for a long time, I called it the everywhere spirit, but it was, it was feminine. It was the mother of the woods. It was the woods that is the mother. And it would wrap its whole beingness around me and I would feel safe and I would cry and I would feel like it was being rocked in the arms of the most incredible mother. And that's in many ways what helped me through all the things that I saw and, and experienced, you know, because there was a lot of domestic violence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot, and I was beaten a lot, and my parents were wonderful, but you know, but there was also the the ravages of tyranny. I mean, of uh, the tyr- the ravages of uh, poverty and the tyranny of alcoholism that would rear its head. And so, my my love, my refuge was always the woods, and was always the green world, and was always the mother spirit. And that's really how I got into paganism mm. was um, uh, someone had told me, in fact, I'd seen this, this uh, movie on TV called, and you may remember it, Bell, Book and Candle. And had, I think the woman's name was Kim Novak, who played as the witch. Yes. And just, I loved it. And I saw it. I don't know what it was in that movie, but I looked at my mother and I said, mom, I'm a witch. And mom said, oh, shush your fuss. And I said, no, mama, I'm a witch. And the mama, of course, always knew I was, I was second sighted because she was born with the veil. I was born with the veil. My sister was born with it, um, which is a certain way that the placental sheath, if I'm described this right, it should fall off the baby's face when the baby comes out the sack with uh, those of the second sight. If they have the veil, that doesn't come off, so they have to pull it off of the eyes. And it denotes the spirit sight and other gifts. So, you know, I was known for that. and uh, Family was known for it. And then, of course, what we call conjure, but we didn't see that as anything unique or different. That was just something that you did. That was something mom knew about, mostly from Miss Granny. And... Um, and it was in the community, different types of it, different types of folk magic. And, but I knew that I was a witch. I knew, and I didn't even know what I was saying when I was saying it, right? Mm-hmm. I just knew something about this secret society, this, this which is how it was kind of portrayed in the movie, that there was, uh, among us walked these people 
that were people like everyone else. They loved, they feared, they had joys, but they also had these special gifts. And that there was um, both blessings that came with them and difficulties. And, and it was something to do with the blood. They were born into it. They were, it was in them when they were born. And they just had to go and meet another one that would help either wake it up or help them come to terms with it and, and live with it and grow with it. And so that is what ignited me chasing the word witch. And little did, about, did I know, I'd find out within that year that my sister, who's deceased and who I love very much, my Donna, was a witch. Donna had been a practicing witch uh, for a long time. And that was part of why she ran away from home was to practice. And then, so I found that out. And um, so needless to say, that started to really cue me even more. So I went to my mom and said, mom, are you a witch? Oh my God, the look she gave. I thought she was going to burn me at the stake. <laughs> and she, uh, she eventually said, so why would you ask me such a crazy question? And I told her, she said, you set your ass down. <laughs> Listen to me. Don't you ever use that word. Don't you ever let people know that you can do the things that you could do. They'll call you that word and they'll abuse you and they'll say terrible things. And you may even lose your children if you have children. So mom had been through things in her life where people called her that. She never identified with it, but because she could heal animals. And mom was very second sight gifted. And she knew, you know, a fair amount of what we know as conjure. She didn't know it as that. Um, and then, of course, just her gifts and speaking to the spirit world. So I grew up enmeshed in the in magic. Uh, but I also grew up enmeshed in uh, oppression and uh, alcoholism. Uh, I grew up in spirituality that's pressed to the soul, that pressed by, uh, by poverty, by loss, by, um, by difficulty. Yet even in all of that, you know, I didn't know I was poor for the longest time. My daddy never made more than $8,000 a year ever in his life. Wow. And, and how he made what he made and how we, we never hungered. And we had clothing. Even a mom had to take feed and seed bags and make things out of them. But I never knew that we were poor until I started meeting kids coming in from other towns and stuff, you know, and kind of reminds me of that song Dolly Parton did, uh, My Coat of Many Colors. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. If you've never heard it, it's beautiful, you know, the coat of many colors that my mama made for me. And she didn't know, she, and this was a real story in the song. Her mother had made a, a coat for her. It was a bad winter, and her coat was all worn through. And, and it was beautiful. It was made of all these different colors of, of cloth. And, and she just thought it was beautiful. And she wore it to school. And all the kids started laughing at her and pointing at her and talking about how poor she was that her mom had to rip up shirts and remnants from all kinds of things just to make a coat she couldn't afford one and dolly dolly cried on it and she refused to accept that and she proudly wore her coat of many colors because her mama made it for her and no matter what they said it wore the love and the richness of of her family uh, even though they weren't you know they had no monetary uh no, no monetary things or anything like that they but they were rich in spirit and in love you know I, I grew up in a way like that, um, and 
that certainly gave me a, a certain type of value uh, for people, for the land, for a living presence of the spirit um, and uh, healing. We, people rarely went to doctors. They couldn't afford it. You know, we don't even have documentation. My mother was born because uh, she was born in a hospital. We think we may have identified a potential source of, of documentation. It's on a, like an index card in, the, in a box down in the basement of a Hanley Library down in Winchester, which I haven't checked out to see if I can find it. But Mama, well, there was no proof of her birth. Because Miss Granny, you know, just came there and birthed her, and they gave Miss Granny a cow. And um, in fact, oddly, when I was born, because I had to I've many times had to, you know, get out my birth information for astrology charts or for, you know, getting a passport, they didn't check AM or PM on mine. Oh, it's checked right in the middle. There's an and mine is an original copy, so there isn't another original cop original you know, that has the right one checked. So isn't that interesting that it would pass down to then the second generation of no true documentation, at least for me, about when. When did it happen other than, I think, at 1.0 something a.m. or p.m., you know? But but instead the check's right in the middle. So I say I, I passed somehow between the times on the clock to a clock behind the clock, <laughs> you know? I don't know if that, that's some about the beginnings of my life. Um, I don't know if that gives you uh, too much or a, a little bit of insight, hopefully into what shaped at least my early roots. No, that's, that's good. I mean, it's always interesting to hear other people kind of give their background as to what woke them up. Um, and we've heard different stories from different people. So that's really good to hear kind of where you've, tied into uh being a witch and the conjuring tradition that you uh work with uh speaking of tradition though um i know you work with a fairy seership and could you maybe elaborate between fairy seership and house of brie and how those two are intertwined absolutely well and really there there's a few organizations that have founded uh, uh, Foxwood Temple, the old religion, which is my coven, uh, founded to preserve and, and, and um, hand down the teachings of my elders and preserve the tradition of my elders in the craft, which is my, the craft tradition that come out of is uh, a very traditional one and it is initiatory. And Lady Circe is the, of Toledo, Ohio, is the queen mother of our line. She's deceased now. She was a, a fifth generation hereditary witch and an incredible woman. And so there's that. And then the Alliance to the Old Religion, which I co-founded along with the two other mantle carriers for Lady Circe. She passed her mantle on the three of us. Uh, and I have the honor to carry it along with a, a man named Lord Malachi and a woman named Lady Meshanthea. And uh, we founded the Alliance of the Old Religion to ally all of the covens uh, downline uh, associated with this lineage to preserve solidarity unity and the, um, you know, the preservation of the tradition and the practices. But then the House of Brie, that's a whole nother baby and a, and a baby that is so close to my heart. Really, they all are, but this one's extremely personal. Um, I grew up 
around a lot of fairy tradition. They would have never used the F word because the area that I grew up in had uh, a lot of Scottish and Irish influence on the Appalachian culture there. Mm -hmm. And um, so they never used the F word, meaning fairy, right? In fact, brief aside, uh, my introduction uh, to it was when I was very young. Um, there was this old, old guy he used to come down from the Blue Ridge, Blue Ridge, coming to, uh, he was coming to some, like a farmer's market thing, but it was these farmers would get together and I don't know what they did, but they would, I think they would sell cattle, sell things, uh, but also would trade things. And he'd come for that. And he'd always stop to see my mom and they would talk about things. And then he'd always come to see me. And what I didn't realize until later was what he was doing was he was teaching me, he was training me. And, uh, and again, they wouldn't use words like that. They just maybe would say he was sharing. He was sharing what he knew with uh, one of the youngins who seems to have the gift, whose her, her mom would say, he's got the blessing. Mm. He's, he's got the ble blessing. He just needs ripening. And so uh, he would come and we would sit down and he would tell me charms, which uh, I, I memorized very quickly. I always had a mind for those. And that's one of the reasons that they um, would give them to me. And that, and I knew how to pray true, which is a certain way that you pray to bring the spirit, bring the spirit powerfully. But he sat me down and they call me Mike. That's my middle name's Michael back there. And he says, Mike, you got to make right with them folk. Them folk can, can snatch your prayers before they reach the ears of God. They're the original ancestors. We're the visitors. And then he goes, when we break the laws of nature, and I think that's how he said it, it's either laws of God or laws of nature. I think it was the laws of nature. He goes, we can't go to God to fix it. He don't know how. He gave the world to them. Them folk is what they called the fairy people, the fairy spirits, or the, or the angels in the land. The other name they called them was the Cousins. And that is, uh, in fact, that name for them shows up again in older material. Reverend Robert Kirk's book, Secret Commonwealth of Elves, Fawns, and Fairies, written in, I believe, late 1600s. He was an Episcopal minister in Aberfoyle, Scotland, and a fairy seer who was taken by the fairy queen of that knoll uh, into the knoll physically, all of him gone. He had one chance to come back. And his best friend was told how to bring him back. And right in the middle of it, as he was doing the working to bring him back, given by the fairy queen, he got scared and he stopped. And Reverend Kirk, they say, is still in the fairy realms uh, for eternity. I was just there, by the way, about a month ago. Oh, I, I was, oh God, it was incredible being there. So what this man was saying, the old man, he was saying, you got to make right with them, folk. Meaning we, and he wasn't just talking about me. And he, and he said that, he said, now, boy, I don't mean you, you, you. I mean, all of us, all of us people, all of us children of Adam, all of us, uh, you know, human people. He goes, because we've, we've broke a covenant. That's the other thing he said. We broke a covenant that those of us who, who still court the land, can can fix because we we haven't broken it but the larger 
human race has. He says, you got to make right with them folk. He said, because those folk, no matter who you pray to, no matter what God, no matter what God is, he didn't say those words, right? He just said they could snatch your prayers before they reach the ears of God. Now, that's chilling. That's very chilling. And I remember thinking, ooh, this is spooky. But I listened close to what he said because the truth is I was little and I thought it was interesting. Mm -hmm. I really wasn't going to remember it all. Mom wrote it down. I got it later and just remembered everything. I was listening to him because he had a can of these ginger snap cookies. (laughs) (laughs) Still to this day, I could be pretty much bribed with a can of ginger snap cookies. Good to know. Trader Trader Joe's has the best. So, uh, and and indeed he he was, he had me locked in because the cookies were on the other side of him and I couldn't get to them but through listening to his story. So when he said you had to make right with them, that they could snatch your prayers before they reached the the years of God, you know, now in retrospect, I know what a powerful statement he was saying. Right. Mm -hmm. When you break the laws of nature, when you have been inconsiderate to the, to the, the planet and to the spirits and life's life forms that attend it, that live in it, that live with us, our greater family, no celestial force is going to just come in and fix it for us because we broke it knowingly. We have to fix it. So he says, uh, was it uh, when you when we break we break the laws of nature? You can't pray to God to fix it because you don't know how He gave it to them. So what He's saying is, you got to go to them. And so many years later, you know, I come into contact in a R.J. Stewart workshop. In mm. fact, a funny story because R.J. Stewart, uh, who's really considered probably the world's authority on the folkloric fairy tradition of the Celts. I had never met this man before. Uh, he's being hosted uh, by the Turning Wheel Bookstore that's now closed. The Atima Mantinea used to have it. And she's on Witch Fox, an incredible woman. In which, and she told me, she said, there's this man coming named R.J. Stewart. I'm sure you've heard of him. Are you going to his workshop? And I said, well, I've never heard of him. Could you not? I'd never heard of him at that time. And I said, no, no, I've got stuff to do. I was in the government at that time, D.C. government working in. And I had just a lot to do. I was busy bureaucrat stuff. And I said, no. And then she said, well, why don't you come as my guest for free? Well, I like the price. So, so I went. And out of RJ's mouth is coming almost verbatim many of the things I heard this elder that I just spoke to you about say and other elders say. And he was saying it in the, the same kind of way and in a storytelling way, not in a like a scholastic, although he's very much an academician, uh, he was speaking clearly from one steeped in the tradition of which he speaks, one who is shaped by it, one who didn't read about it but is about it, you know, who who is of the culture. And I, I remember sitting there thinking, "Oh my God," because every cell in my body felt like it was listening. Mm. The ancestors in my blood felt like they were leaning my ears forward. And that was the beginning of, little did I know, a lifelong friendship. I would have never published if it wasn't for that man and Dolores Ashkoff Norwicky, who's another dear friend, uh, uh, profound elder, um, and a mentor. And um, that day of meeting RJ, little did I know that that would shape, not shape, that would reveal what my destiny would be. Because in his workshop, I met this powerful spirit named Bree, 
she's an ancient and very potent fairy, fairy being. Because these fairy beings, they are not just little sprightly ones. They can come in that shape. Those are the cells and the body of a larger being. These beings can be so powerful that, that with a glance, they can, they, we can die. We can die by their beauty alone. Hmm. Their beauty can overcome our nervous system. That's why they dull themselves down. They, uh, when we see the little people, the little people are like cells in the body of the one, of a greater one, and it has all the knowledge of that one. So yet, so every cell in that being, every one of these could be millions of these little folk know everything that each other knows and can aggregate all of a sudden into a being that's so potent, that's a, a goddess. Uh, and so I met one and uh, in this vision that RJ took us on, and in fact, in the vision, she pushed needles into my fingers, which was really bizarre. Uh, yeah. And later I found out that that was to take the Torah, which is the old Qumraic word for pith or essence, the essential nature, the uh, life force, the, the mana uh, of, of the underworld and take it and then place it into say a tree to give it life and help it. So when I came out of the vision of this, having these put into my fingers, I went to RJ and I told him about it. And he said, astonishing. He says, let me see your fingers. And I showed him my hands and there were red dots on each one, red dots of blood. Mm. So this was very physical. And that was the beginning of my relationship with her that then took uh, everything that I learned, uh, which was, you know, what I learned uh, back in the Shenandoah about fairy tradition was not like a class or something like that. It was like that old man telling me what he told me and then uh, taking me out to a knock and rock. And a knock and rock is a big rock that's half in, half out of the soil out in the woods. And uh, you would write prayers on it in chalk. Mm. And, or it would be also used to take uh, strips of cloth and, and beat it with, uh, like if you're doing the, um, to call rain. In fact, the very first term I ever learned, hope you don't mind, I'm doing this in classic so, so storytelling fashion. It's how Appalachians tell everything, you know. <laughs> no, so, we love it. I remember the old man when he gave me this one, and, uh, and I'll say it to you real quick because it involves the knock and rock. You know, you get, he said, you get a rock, you know, find this rock. Probably the elders can show you where one is because they're usually heavily worked. And they're half in, half out of the soil, usually a boulder. And you get a pail or something of water and some strips of cloth. And you dip the cloth into the water. And then you start slapping the rock with it while saying, I abjure the blood and all its stains to blacken the skies and witchcraft's name, to raise the wind and bell the dame. And then you take it up and spin it around and go, and bring the rain and bring the rain and then dip it again and do it again. And really what it was doing is it was mimicking a storm. Sympathetic magic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the I abjure the blood and all its stains is saying to the blood of Jesus, draw back. Because see, uh, the... The, the Christ is uh, what would be considered like a solar king, a king of light. Well, if the sun is out, it's not going to rain. So it's like saying, 
you know, Jesus, go maybe go get a cup of coffee for right now. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and take the light with you a minute. We love you. Please come back. But um, and so abjure the blood and all its stains to blacken the sky. So abjure means to reject, like the skies in witchcraft's name. Then to raise the wind. That's to stir up, you know, the clouds. To raise the wind and uh, bell the dame. And bring the rain and bring the rain. Bell the Dame means to beautify the lady because the rain falling would, of course, cause um, the green, you know, the, the lush green of the earth. Plant life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and blossom. And when it would think flowers would blossom because of the rain, you have adorned, you have uh, the, you know, the Dame, you beautified the Dame. I remember when you taught us that. It's, Aren't it's, they fun? It's, uh, it's, I remember the first time I heard it. it, it it so stuck with me. Uh, it was so beautiful, and 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 yet, in a certain way, it was it was very simple. Yeah. And and I'm like, why don't more people do this? <laughs> and it's old. I I finally did some research. It's at least two to three hundred years old. Um, they had it in Ireland also. So I found a few of these. Uh, not a few. I, I keep running into them in folkloric material. Uh, and so, and and uh, there it is. Now here's something for you on the fairy tradition that, so the fairy tradition is literally about the, the life in all things and the attending coexisting order of beings that came here when the earth glowed as stellar long before it became matter itself because it came with the fall of light uh, into then particleized forms. Thus they live in the hollow places of the land. They live in the coexisting energetic uh, original nature, or what we call living memory of mm. the planet. So there is a saying in uh, fairy tr in folklore fairy tradition. It says, uh, "Metal and mill with the fiends of hell, and a weirdless white you'll be. But take and lend with the fairy men, and you'll thrive until you die." Um, which is an old warning. It says, "Metal and mill with the fiends of hell, which are like." The fiends that dwell in the, the darker part, the, the horrible part of human heart, the wicked part, not darker, mm. but wicked. Um, and like greed and avarice and, you know, these awful things that lead, you know, to, and the illusion of isolation that causes the abandonment, fear, fury, and shame that sets in the heart of humanity. And so if you take that up with that, if you get all up in the bed with it, like, you know, they say, lay down with dogs who get fleas, We'll lay down with these demons of, of the heart and you'll, you'll lose yourself. So it says the metal metal of the fiends of hell and a weirdless white you'll be. A weirdless white means a fateless spirit. White being W-I-C-H-T, I think. W-I-C-H-T. It's an old Scottish word. And, um, and a weirdless white you'll be. But take and lend. Live in balance. We the fairy men. It's a little sexist. I'd rather say fairy kin, but that is what they wrote, fairy men. And you'll thrive until you die. In my encounters with Bree, in my encounters with the people, what? Are you laughing at me? Well, no. Uh, we're getting some commentary from the uh, dogs lying down on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> I love animals' responses to this stuff. It's unbelievable. Actually, I think that was specifically Odin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's saying listen listen do that oh <laughs> uh, he was stretching 
Well, God, I love our furry friends. So, uh, my encounters with the fairy realms were was really ignited into full throttle by Bree, and meeting her, you know, in the workshop, and then continuing my life with her and founding a uh, a nature spirit uh, holistic retreat center for a while. That where I taught this work in its early development. But I continue to, to, to build off of the folkloric lore and practices I grew up with, living with the cousins. You see, back where I came from, if someone said to you, what you doing this weekend? And you said, well, I'm visiting my cousins. They would say, which ones? They might say it more like, which ones? Mm. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> um, you know, so as not to aggravate the cousins. Um, and you would, if you said the cousins in the holler, that meant your blood kin, your blood family. If you said the cousins in the woods, that meant what we all think of as the fair folk or the Atoa Teg, the Sealy folk. Okay. And, um, and then they would sort of, some of them would just pray, and bow their heads and others would, who were of the ways would just be like, Okay. Oh, you know. Oh, it's just like, oh, or they'd say, "Bless your heart." Mm. You know, which means many things. You know, but yeah. in that case, mm -hmm. it meant a blessing be upon your heart. So, my love of it was always there. But my love after meeting RJ and then going through that experience and meeting Bree, ignited into major visions uh, that became my first book, The Fairy Teachings, which is now published by RJ uh, Stewart uh, Books. And then the Tree of Enchantments with uh, Wiser Publications. And I love Wiser, by the way. I love working with them. And the Tree of Enchantments lays out a whole um, system of practices based off of nine vision keys, which are nine principal major powers that, uh, are, that are in all the realms of existence, you know, and that um, are everywhere and they move around in different relationships with each other. And so in the book is, um, you know, tells of the lore of the star father and of she who breathes forth the space mother, the utterer of the guardian, who is the horn one who upholds natural law and holds the cords of life and death that are woven forth into this world by mother fate known as the weaver in the land. And the divine ancestor, an androgynous being that lies at the heart of the river of blood on the island of stone and bone. I'm sorry, on the island of crystalline bone. Uh, and that is our original um, ancestor, uh, the um, Adama Eva, the guardian. I'm sorry, the uh, divine ancestor. And then there's the dreamer in the land, which is the core planetary spirit, which is the stellar nature of our planet. That, that is as a untouchable, ever young, androgynous child that lies sleeping on a bed of blue flame, dreaming the world into existence. And then the sacred stone, which is about the placement of our planet in relationship to the other celestial spheres that we're traveling through eternity with. And, and then the, the placement of ourselves, the stone on which we, we rest, our destiny, our our purpose, because we are, we are, really we're stars with human feet, but we're the planet humanized, and the planet is the stars given terrestrial life 
um, into a myriad of life forms that make up this planet. I wrote something only a few months ago about that and said, um, we are stars with human feet encountering starlight and all we meet. Know this, grow this, and ignite, and the stars will guide you through the darkest night. And um, so, uh, funny thing is, when I wrote the first book, I thought that was the only one I was going to write. I was working with the government as a, as a, as the founder of the Office of Target and Emerging Populations in the D.C. Department of Health, to address equity and justice and uh, specialized targeted programs around substance abuse. Uh, treatment and prevention, but then also coexisting disorders. I founded 31 treatment programms in my career. I was a, a little on fire, you know. Uh, that's, um, that's pretty impressive. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was, it was really an honor to serve in that way because I love, I love this planet and I love our species and all its potential. And, and when we are, when we are good, when we are caring, uh, when we are driven by love, we're amazing. Mm -hmm. We're amazing. Uh, there's this great, uh, I can't remember who wrote it. But I know it's, it's, it's from a mystery tradition, I believe. It says, the, the power that created unimaginable splendors and unimaginable horrors lives inside you and it will follow your commands. And so there's a power that sets inside of us that came from the mating of the great star father of the heavens and the, the weaver of destinies of, of the planetary uh, particleization, the planetary's expression into form as it moved from star into planet. And, and as the Bible puts it, which I really love how the Bible points to our, the original development, original building of us, where this star being this, not starving the sky itself. Uh, God reaches down and takes a handful of the clay of the earth. And of course, the soil of the earth is the digested wisdom of everything that's ever lived. And breathes the breath, the ruach of heaven into it and makes it in its own form, which suggests that inside of humanity is the potential to become gods and goddesses, bringing life to wherever it goes, bringing something of such divine expression. And uh, in my encounters with Bree, in my dreams as a child, because uh, I was a preacher, by the way, as a little boy. I, I was a, a youth minister. And I was also a bit of a progeny because I would go up before I could even read. I would get up in the pulpit. I'd ask for somebody to give me a Bible. They would give me their Bible. I wouldn't even open it. I'd lay my hands on it, and I would just start speaking. And I would start speaking, and, and that, there was always a message. It was very powerful for people. And then at the end of it, the deacons or the, the preacher of the church would come up, or the faith healer, because we had faith healers too, would come up and take the Bible, open it, and see where that little ribbon was that's in the Bible. And it would invariably be right at a place that spoke exactly what I just said, but I didn't open it, and I couldn't read it if I even did. So I was a bit of a progeny, and as I think that's what you call it, and I, a child progeny. Is that the right word? I'm, I'm, yes, that's okay. the right word. Yeah. I was a little worried about it. Um, and so uh, spirit and living in spirit, second-sightedness, 
living with the interior landscape, the spiritual landscape of the planet through the mother spirit and through the life that I've always seen that runs through everything. Uh, all of this culminated in really a, a, a institute, a school, a practice that kept the folklore alive, but also rolled out from it contemporary practices to get us back to the sensitivity levels where we could be guided by the people of peace, the angels in the land, the fair, the fair ones, the angels of all earth life. And founded a, a school for that and been teaching it for many years. And I'm lucky to have people like Yvonne, you know, who I deeply respect. I mean, the apprentices in this, they just humble me constantly because uh, they're, they're powerhouses. They're agents of change, you know. Our, our uh, apprenticeship uh, class, the people in that group, are amazing oh my god they're just I, I don't even know how to explain it they're just individually i find each one of them impressive and wonderful and amazing and inspired well look in the mirror honey you're one of them oh yeah one of the amazing people yeah so we it's interviewed been, uh, another one of your students as well i believe uh kanu yes yes kanu's amazing yeah kanu uh actually told us a little story about <laughs> opening the whales oh. <laughs> about the uh the the ribbons that uh they had at the what was it a pantheon it was pantheon and uh whale watching on the, their comments yeah. that they uh put on facebook what's funny about that is uh for the for years i couldn't say the word and, and i can often not say it now well w-e-l-l and there's some words I still can't say without the accent, like um, mm -hmm. the, the, the animal that goes bow, wow, wow, you know, it's a dog. I can't <laughs> say dog. dog. My mouth won't even do it. <laughs> I do funny weird things with my mouth or, or that big striped cat that goes great, a tagger. Tagger. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't heard that before. Aww. It's a tagger. And so uh, when I'd be out teaching, uh, I'd say, now we're going to open the fairy whale. And people would get giggling and I'm like, what, what? And uh, then, you know, I remember Kanu once saying, now, uh, what kind of whale? Is it blue? Is it a sperm whale? <laughs> and then I got what everyone was laughing at. So I have like earrings made of like a glass that's been shaped into a whale with wings on it. I have a little plush animal uh, beanie type thing with, with um, and it, it's a little whale with wings on it. So there's a, just a running joke about it. He and, was uh, Kanu's fantastic. Him and his wife, both are. Yes, they are. Yeah. Both of them are wonderful people. Uh, yeah, he said he was so worried that you could take it wrong. He was really hoping that you would take it in the spirit that it was intended. But he was actually a little nervous about you being upset. <laughs> oh, no. I, you know, I make fun of myself all the time. And, uh. I, um, I, I hope that what I put across, I'd, I'd like to think I put across competence, that, and, and confidence in what I do, because uh, I'm, I'm confident in my magic, but not arrogant, and also not, not, I don't take myself that seriously. I'm an instrument for something much greater than me, and, um, and I just get the, uh, the opportunity to listen to it and to do it, and to, again, meet incredible people, all of whom, and this is why I love pagans. I love pagans and I love witches so much because just to call oneself that, just to step out 
and say, I, I am not that which is, is accepted and rewarded by, um, by uh, being what the general population is. I stand out, I am the eggshell in the conventions, in conventions omelet, you know, uh, to step out and obey an ancient call that makes no sense. Now, if we think about this, those of us who've been pagan a long time, and I've been pagan a long time, you know, I, I don't know, my God, to officially use that was in like, you know, maybe uh, 17 or 18, I'm 56 now. And so a long time. And none of us started using the name witch or the name uh, uh, pagan because it was going to make us popular and, and get us uh, all, uh, pay raises and all, because certainly it didn't. Um, it, in fact, got many of us persecution and, and ridicule and hard times. But we all heard something. We heard a voice that came from a deep place inside the memory of our blood as the web of life on this planet is shaking and the, the ancient ancestors are waking up and waking up in us. There's a saying I, I grew up with that is, you cannot bless the fruits and curse the roots. Mm. So true. And at the root of humanity is, is, uh, is uh, traditions and practices, paradigms, such as paganism or animism, and which is even older, where all of everything is conscious and, t and the world teems with spirits. Um, and uh, we were waking up to something. And I was just talking to Deirdre uh, Arthen recently, uh, her and Andres are the founders and co-directors of the Earth Spirit community in New England. And I've been a part of that community for 30 some years and love them. And she said to me, we were on the phone one day and she said, you know, they're, they're looking at, they're growing older and who's going to take the mantle on? Who is going to keep this going? Because they've done incredible work. And she said to me the, the most wonderful thing, because we got talking about her and Selena Fox and, you know, many other, you know, uh, teachers, some of whom are deceased now. And she mm -hmm. said, Orion, who's going to be as crazy as us? <laughs> Who's going to give up everything to follow what we didn't even know really what it was, what we were following. We just knew the earth was sacred. We knew that these old gods and these old ways would somehow answer a deep longing and a deep need in the world. And we couldn't let it go. Instead we built and we built and we built and we, we built uh, like my, in my case, an international school. That's now, um, you know, got hosting groups uh, popping up around the world. Uh, them, the, the community that they founded, that is now a, a major force at the Parliament of World Religions. Yeah. You know, none of us knew. I, I bet Selena had no idea where this was all going to really go. But we had to be like that little guy on the full card, stepping onto the cloud of unknowing, off that cliff, with that little dog of the scared ego biting at her, <laughs> nipping at her heels, mm -hmm. um, with the little bit we had in our little hobo, you know, bag, and looking heavenward like God, God us all that is, please catch me when I step onto this cliff. I am just keeping my eyes on you, and that's what we all did. And that's uh, I have a lot of love and respect for the pagan community and the, the witch community because it obeyed an ancient voice 
without all the reasoning, all the clarity. It simply obeyed it and followed it and has spent all these years unearthing the old gods and their wisdoms. And, and when, as we unearth them, and this is something Bree had pointed out, because I had asked her about also the unhealthy parts of our community. And she said, keep this in mind. These old traditions were buried under the rumble of intentional genocide. Whole peoples are gone. Temples destroyed, much, much blood, countless millions, thousands, and definitely millions dead. She said, as you dig out the voices of those old gods and those old ancestors who are calling you to your blood to wake up and remember, know too you're unearthing their sorrow and their pain. And you must carry that for a while and weep through it. And we have, and I think we're on our way to becoming something that the greater community in, in due time will not only be happy that we're here, I have a feeling that one day we will become crucial because there will be things that we know, ways that we live, that will be a crucial part of how we survive a potential oncoming of, uh, extinction event that the scientists say have already begun, uh, but possibly could be turned around by a global response and is caused by the hands of humanity. The next great extinction event is not a big meteor, uh, any of that. It's all caused by the hands of hum humanity and what it's, what it's been doing ecologically, damaging the ecology. And so the work with the House of Brie, I believe, is there's a work whose time has come. We've done damage to this planet so much that I don't think our sciences alone are going to be able to fix it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that we need something older, something that knows more about Earth and the heavens than we do, or that we've remembered. And that's what the fair ones are to me and to this work. They are the stellar pulses, the stellar beings that came with that pulse of the central sun that became our sun and then our planet. And they live in the original memory of this land and they know more about the vitality and the origins of this planet and all the components of its many ecosystems than, than we'll ever know. With them, we can fix this. Without them, I don't think, I think it's too late. Well, and we're seeing the younger generations start to recognize that there's more at play and needing to step up. Um, I can't remember Greta's last name, but um, Thurnberg. Greta Thurnberg. Uh, she's calling out for people to make change. Uh, and that's not just in the pagan community. She's, what, 16? Yes. And she's a Swedish girl who's gone off and written a poem calling attention to the fact that we need to heal the earth. And you've got YouTubers, um, channel called Mr. Beast, a guy does some crazy, crazy like giveaways and helps the community and things like that. But he's trying to push for planting 20 million trees by 2020. Wow. Yeah. Actually, wow. I hadn't heard that. 
Oh, and they've already gotten four million trees planted, and they've only been going at it a week. Yeah, it, it can be done. It's, it can totally be done. be done, and and it's not necessarily going to, like he he posted and said, I know this isn't going to change where we're at, but it's better than zero trees planted. I I I think it will change where we're at for a bunch of reasons because those trees will have trees and the trees will come from them and they'll increase ozone they'll they'll filtrate a lot of the soil it's the beginning it, and, it, and that's exactly it is it's the beginning and it's people who have these high profile like calling attention to it and yes. not necessarily your movie stars and things like that who do it for necessarily a gain excuse me uh mr Bista, his channel he's every year he goes out and just gives people money to pay off bills and things like that to help them become more self-reliant so they're not and he's he's a super giving guy like if you watch any of his videos where he's doing this kind of stuff he gives this all away he isn't spending a whole lot on himself he's taking care of himself and he's been gifted this gift of huge followers on youtube and twitter and things like that so people want to sponsor with him and he he does really great things with that and that's i think we're going to be seeing more of that or i'm hoping we see more of that with the younger generations who are realizing hey this is the only place we have would it be possible for you uh, at some point to, or, or Yvonne to send me a link to that because I'd love to, to keep up with those, both of those things. You said that the young woman and the, 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 the man who's helping people, uh, if it's at all possible. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, well, what's happened with House of Brie is we have, um, we have, I think, 12 different groups around the country. And there's one starting in Wales that I'm working with them. Uh, just got back from Scotland and some folks voiced uh, an interest there. There's already an, uh, an Irish group beginning to build. Um, and uh, when I founded this and, and really defined it under the directive of Bree, Bree's the soul of it all, um, it was to bring about that, that what fairy seership, uh, how it's ultimately defined, is it is a uh, eco-spiritual paradigm and practice that is integrative, co-creative, and restorative. Uh, founded and rooted in folkloric tradition, at, but grown in uh, response to contemporary need. And so it's a seven-year apprenticeship program, actually winds up going a little over seven. Um, it's a massive amount of material that begins with um, redeeming the ancestors, because uh, if we do not heal with that which is within us and flows through us, that which we are bridging, then um, that which flows from us will also be toxic. As long as our ancestors, the spirit, the essence of them swims in paradox, so do we. So there's these ancient techniques uh, that come out of really the Bronze Age uh, involving the river of blood, that, which is the great the stream of ancestry with the waters of redemption and one bank, the bank of song, the other bank, the bank of sorrow. Uh, moving ancestral paradox out of the bloodstream and into uh, and basically into regenerative exalted uh, healing mm. and we've had incredible experiences with this um, 
I believe actually this practice to be one of the one of the practices that very well could save us. I really do believe that with everything in me. And so there's a big part of the fairy seership work that if we are to come into a co-creative relationship with the original ancestors, with the the pulses of vitality that give life to this planet, then we've got to remove from us, purge from us, the sort of consciousness viruses that we have. And those, those if to, to use as a metaphor, the things that drive the worst in humanity, including harming the mother of us all, because we're all children of one mother and her name's Earth, and is all driven by um, a rapid growing central nervous system that grew exceedingly fast in the presence of fire. Once fire, once we were given fire, once we attained fire, we could then uh, migrate from the warm climates to the cold. We could migrate through the night and fend ourselves off, for, you know, fend off the animals that otherwise might eat or harm us, kill us. We were able to um, uh, just so journey through the night. We were able to smelt metals, which was great magic. But above all, we were able to cook meat and destroy the parasites that were reducing the lifespan of our people. And we were also able to free proteins that that simian brain, that hominid brain was waiting for. And grow it did, but it grew so fast it individuated. We individuated as a plant, as a, as a species to the, to the level of now there is an illusion of isolation in humanity. It shows up in our general discussions when we say such things as going back to nature. Well, where the hell did we go? <laughs> There's nowhere to get away. Now going back into a conscious life with, and consider it life with nature, that's one thing, but getting back to nature, that is an illusion. You can't leave it. We are a part of it. And so this uh, illusion of isolation shows itself as abandonment, fear, fury, and shame. Mm. Uh, and those forces then drive the desire to possess, the resentment of change, and desire for absolutes. And as all of those roll out, they become the activities that create the harm that we have in our world that is human-caused. Fairy seership aims at getting at curing that illusion by soothing the central, well, the, primarily the central nervous system and soothing it again, reintegrating it again into the deep ancient wisdom of the body where it encounters the mineralized wisdom of the bones, which is where we encounter the sacred stone. And you know, our bones are made up of chelated calcium. Chelated calcium comes from uh, fossilized uh, bones of ancient creatures that have broken down in the soil that the plants take up into them um, or animals eat the plants that have it and they get it into them that way or we eat the animals or eat the plants that have the calcium it continues to build our bones to strengthen our bones so in our bones is the great stone of destiny uh, the shared mineralization of earth and in the bones is the memory of our connectedness our origins and uh, so thus we begin with the work with the blood and the bones. We work with the ancestor, ancestral stream. And then from there, we encounter that which is not human of us through the guardian. And then from there, we move into a relationship where first the threads of illusion that bind up who we are and that construct a tapestry of consciousness 
that is false. That's not who we are or how we are to be. And we un unweave it to seize a hold of what's called the, the fate road that, that rolls out from the underworld, from the uh, overall fate of our planet, Mother Fate. And that fate road is literally the energetic pulse that pulsed your presence here. We all rode here on a pulse. And so as we seize that fate road, we, we come into contact with the inspiration behind our incarnation what we really came here for. And all the way up to the age of seven, we knew, we knew. We didn't know it like, oh, I'm gonna grow up and be a firefighter, or we knew it by what, we, what delighted us, what, what increased life within us. Sometime, if you ever wanna talk, if three of us wanna have a chat about how to access that, um, the, the wisdom mm. of the child that knew why we came here. That's why in our tradition we say, if you would walk the witch's way, observe with care the child at play. Um, so th this practice aims at getting at that and getting, you know, clearing the blood and curing as much as we can the illusion of isolation that was that drove the, the worst in our ancestors, but then also to free up the 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 visions to free up the creativity and the incredible discoveries and wisdom of our ancestors to flow into us as well. Um, so if, as we heal the ancestors, we are healed by them, human and other. And then as we do this, we begin to uh, unexile ourselves from the Eden that is the earth. And as uh, my mother told me when I was little, this is a piece of Appalachian wisdom. She said, son, there's two times when you go to the tree of good and evil, she said life and death, you know, many, many names that the, they called it. She said the sacred tree in the Garden of Eden with the first, you gained your humanness, you gained your individuality, your choice, which is one of the distinctive things about humanity, is an individualized will, but it didn't have to sacrifice its collective will to have it. That's what we need to understand, the wave does not have to run away from the ocean to continue to be the wave. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so mom said the first time we were given that, I said, oh, okay, mom. What's the second time? She said the second time we take the apple and we put it back on the tree. Mm -hmm. And I said, mom, what's the apple? She said, your heart. And now as a little boy, of course, I'm thinking, you know, pulling the heart out of the... <laughs> You know, as a chef sticking on the tree, and I'm going, oh, oh. <laughs> and, and of course, she, she, she used to love to use the word moron instead of moron. Mo, she goes, moron, that's not what your mama means. And of course, she explained it. She's talking about when we turn our attention back to our origins as a collective, not just human, other. When we turn our attention back to the family of life that is Earth. And our attention goes to creativity and inventiveness that's considerate of us all, not just considerate to, uh, you know, uh, human likes, human wants. Um, when we do that, we begin our journey back to place the heart of devotion, the, the free will that was given to us, now washed through centuries of, of suffering at times, and knowing what it feels like to be wandering in the desert, crying out for a vision, feeling lost, feeling like something's broken in you, 
and that you've done something wrong but not knowing what it is and feeling like you know exiled like not really finding home when the truth is home's been you and been with you all along earth and so when we take our attention and we move it in that direction and we heal that which stands in the middle between us and that and that's part of the fairy seership work we place our heart back on the great tree of life and death that is at the heart of our planet and then as we say a golden lock and a silver key in exchange for the cup of eternity locked potential of humanity meets the full unlocking wisdom of the holism of earth the gold, silver key and it unlocks that potential and the cup of eternity the memory of who we are not only in regards to the planet but to the cosmos begins and then we will I truly believe with every vision inside me that our job eventually is to step away from earth and leaving it better than it was when we came and step onto other worlds and bring life and beauty and joy to those worlds, not come to those worlds driven by the parasitic illusion of isolation that would have us come as battlers or devourers, but instead blessers. I believe that that is our destiny, that what we're becoming is something so beautiful, so beautiful, but we've got to, we've got to heal this thing in the heart. And paganism is one of the major curative forces, the old gods in the roots of humanity and the roots of life have shaken the tree and basically they're saying bunkies get your ass up on this porch <laughs> I'm not so maybe we get off this porch right um, they're they're coming and they're getting us and bringing us back to a knowing not just for us but for us to share with humanity as a whole and then for humanity to share in its deeds a integration of what it of what it means to be finally at home and to see all of earth life as sacred and holy. Until we could all say the Lakota saying, Ahumitakuyasin, to all my relations. We haven't arrived and know it and mean it. We haven't arrived. So that's a part of the not part of that's the heart of the directive of the House of Bree. And I'll be real, it's the heart of the directive of me. Everything I do, everything I'm about. It's one of the reasons I got into uh, diversity issues and uh, minority health was because until the problems that happen to, or the pain that is incurred by the black community, the Latino community, the many communities of humanity, until their problem is also my problem. Until when my brother hurts, I hurt. My sister hurts, I hurt. Until I take that type of ownership and we understand that we're all drinking from one well, the children of one mother, we're not gonna heal. And we're not going to turn the damage to this earth around. I don't think Eden has happened. I think Eden will. That's what we will bring about. Our job is to not restore earth to her grandeur. It's to crown her a queen. It's to give her more. To leave her greater than she was when we found her. And then we can be that golden child. So there's, I'm sorry, I really got going there. Oh no, that's <laughs> no. great. I, I, that's that you're doing exactly what this podcast is for is sharing your story. So oh, thank you. I might get a little preachy. <laughs> that's perfectly fine. Oh. <laughs> Odin uh, decided to uh, add his commentary again. Yeah. 
He said, Wolf I hung on the windy tree nine days and nine. <laughs> He's a goofy um, pup. Now what else could uh, what else I'm trying to think what else I could really share. So the house of Brie, though, it really is doing some fascinating so, things. So currently, um, there are, you said there were 12 groups under yes. the fairy seers yeah. and there are more coming. There's more coming. Um, I'm working on a deck of cards with my visionary artist friend, Martin Bridge. Martin's there amazing. Be, yes. Well, oh my God, this thing's going to be incredible. And it's, uh, for contact it's going to be a little different it's an oracle but it's for contact communion and co-creation okay and so uh with the holism of our planet and, and it's in, in many guises into the fair ones the, the core planetary spirit the wisdom keepers which are the human ancestors that are still living in the wisdom that's restored to our world so there's that um I'm working on a series of monographs that I think I'm going to publish with Amazon. And wow. those will be the M&M&Ms, the magical mind moments, which are these, what I call capsules of consciousness, uh, little concepts that were born, uh, how they were born actually was uh, about a year and a half ago. I was sort of tapped on the shoulder by the, what I call the stream, the great stream, the, the river of stars, the stream of being that ignited all the luminaries, basically the life that runs through all God, if you will. But it was in that, that me, in that guise, in that way of approaching. And what I found was that the great stream of being, the stellar stream is moving through us all the time. And it will answer anything that you ask. And there's nothing it doesn't know. Um, and so I started facing the stream every day for a whole year. And I would ask either certain questions about how questions about certain maladies, certain issues uh, that are in the human condition and in the condition of earth and would wait for a prompting on what I could write or say that would help heal these wounds that would help, um, liberate the miraculous potential of humanity and also uphold the earth and her destiny which is our destiny and so and then i would wait and sometimes i would just i would just sit and wait for a few minutes and it would come like a lightning flash and i'd be writing fast sometimes i would go on to my day and i would leave my spirit open to the promptings because you can get a hint on a you know turn on the radio and there's a song you can see a bumper sticker you could anywhere a uh, piece of mail comes right on the front of it. It'll say something that prompts you and you go, ah, that is the issue or that's the, the directive of the stream today. And I would sit down and do streaming as I called it meant, meant being moved by the stream, be moved by that spirit. And I would write in it and I've wrote written over 400 of them now. Wow. And mm. so we're, we're putting those together. That's um, going to be great. And Susan Diamond and I are writing a book called Crystal Gnosis. Oh, for, how cool. For Llewellyn. Yep, yep. We're really excited about that. And that was about stones and crystals. Uh, but it's from uh, an animist standpoint. And oh. so we're, we're treating them as beings, not things. Uh, as the knowing ones of Earth. And so I'm having a really good time with that because I'm pulling out a lot of scientific materials well. And, and also theoretical science uh, quantum physics, quantum mechanics, um, panpsychism. So 
I'm having, I'm really geeking out on this, Yvonne. I'm just like, oh my God, I'm having a good time. Because the deeper I go into this, the more it's clear. No, stones aren't conscious. They're the basis of consciousness itself on earth. They, yeah. they, they're the ones receiving the star pulses mm. and recording um, and recording and recording. And um, so I'm excited about this book. I think this is going to be a conversation changer across many populations, not just pagan. I hope so. Yeah, that sounds very interesting. That's actually more in line with my own personal uh, beliefs. Um, well, look at who you are, though. Look at that blood that runs through your veins. Oh, my That's goodness. The DN my DNA is just, every time I look at the stupid ancestry thing, it just gets more in crazy, <laughs> incredible, diverse. Um, there's almost not a, 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 a heritage that I'm not connected to. <laughs> it's That's so crazy. Powerful. It's just That's weird. Powerful. I'm like a Heinz 57. <laughs> United Nations, United Nations with feet, right? With yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It, it's just crazy. But um, my, uh, as long as I can remember from my earliest childhood memories, that's how I've always felt with regards to crystals and stones. And I, I didn't actually realize that my viewpoint was actually more animist. Uh, growing up I just thought that that was just one of my weird quirks and that I kept it to myself not really realizing that no this is actually a thing and other people also view the world around them this way until much later in my life and it's always kind of been there in the background as part of how I operate in the world around me and I didn't really um I don't know I didn't really uh, bring it to the forefront until more recently see that's lovely well i think there's many a thing that has been in the back of our minds and in our childhood that we thought well maybe i'm the only one or i'm just a little weird or and we're finding that there was a deep wisdom that was moving through us and still moving through us that's our blood talking to us that's the ancestors deep in our blood and that's our soul's memory that's coming through to be a, a part of the salve to, for the healing uh, of, of our species and our planet get us moving you know really in a right direction i didn't mean to mention to you too that uh triumphant which is the uh studio where uh you know mary stewart and um devon um janine you know all work with they're um working on uh, a movie a documentary movie on the house of brie and my work which i'm very excited about because there's a lot there's a lot of things I feel in the making of this so far, I feel like I've come into a, a clarity more than I could have ever imagined about who I am and what I'm to do and, and my role in the world via the lens of the movie. Because when, you're, when people are pulling out of you your story, inside of you are all these shelved books of people and experiences that shaped your life, many of which you've kind of shelved and don't really think about them much, or maybe not at all, but they made the indelible marks that uh, have made you who you are today and who you're to become. So it was a, an incredible experience um, working on this book, this movie so far, 
Um, I remember the, because uh, the director changed and the first director, he had asked me this question and he said, Ryan, when did it all start? And I start talking from my head, right? I'm like, um, mm -hmm. well, I was initiated in this year and that year and I did this and it. He said, no, it started before that. True. When did it all start? And uh, can I share that story very quickly? Yeah. yeah. Okay. The story was, I was a little boy and I was, uh, I went to Round Hill Elementary School. Now Round Hill Elementary School is now someone's house. <laughs> you know, so that gives you a sense of the country culture I grew up in. And so um, it was blizzarding outside. It was a classic Shenandoah, you know, winter at that time. It changed since then, sadly. And someone had donated these boxes of uh, National Geo, you know, National Geographic magazines mm -hmm. to the school because school couldn't afford something like that. And I loved them because they had all those pictures, these incredible pictures. So I'm looking through them. And I came across this picture and it was of the Blue Ridge and the Smokies. And they were showing whole areas that were completely blown up by dynamite to build uh, highways through. And I guess some of it was strip mining and stuff. And I started crying. Now at that time I had really bad asthma. So uh, I kept crying uncontrollably. I couldn't stop crying. The teacher couldn't get me, uh, console she couldn't get me to speak i was crying like i was like we're talking weeping hardcore and finally she called my mom and my mom uh, came and got me and she couldn't get me to stop and tell her what happened and finally she said well, i'm calling your father and dad got came out and dad wielded the omnipotent power of son if you don't stop crying and tell us what's going on we're going to have to take you to the emergency room at the hospital <laughs> <laughs> to this day i will do almost anything to not go right okay and so um and that's when it gets quite haunting mom said that i looked up and she said my eyes were black and this and i remember i said do you mean like a devil like the scary things and she said no black like a night sky filled with stars she said and she knew something greater than all of us was looking out through my eyes and I looked at them and I said, Mama, Daddy, they're trying to kill the mountains. I can't let that happen. Mm. When I grow up, I'm going to be a voice so big they will not silence me. <laughs> and my mom said she started crying because she said to my dad, she said, Nick, Mike's, Mike's spirit's too big for the valley. She goes, he's going to leave us. And then in 1983 is when I moved to the DC area and never moved back. And I moved to, to be, you know, be a leader, uh, well, to, to just study the craft, to get away, to be a gay man, to find myself, to uh, little did I know, I would become a government leader. Uh, I would found all these uh, programs and be a nation's leader in many areas of uh, substance abuse uh, treatment and care and, and develop models that became national models. And little did I know that I would get into uh, uh, the eco-spiritual movement and found the first school like it, as far as we know, in the history of the world. Um, and, um, be, and be on fire for that and then be, you know, touring all over the place and, and, and spreading a message and techniques that that I'm hopeful inspires people and gives them the tools they need to become the agents of change that
that they need to become. So the, the movie has really, that's just one example. That was the big example though, because I hadn't thought about that story since I was maybe in high school. Mm. And so when I was telling it to my best friend, Jariel, the great loves of my life have the bestest best friend in the whole universe. And he said, Orion, there's only one other time that I've ever heard you speak of those eyes that are black with the, with the uh, stars in them, like a night sky. And he said, and that was when you first met Brie. Oh. Mm. And that's what her eyes were. And I, y'all, I almost fell off my chair when he said that, because I was like, oh my God, Brie was with me and in me all along. That was her that, uh, coming through me, fusing with the moving of my soul, because I was always in love with the earth, the mother spirit. Mm -hmm. I was always defending her. I was beating boys up who would hurt turtles. You know, I was, you know, I was always fierce about it. And now this, I've got, got the attention of an ancient earth spirit that is actually born of the stars, who then would, was commingled with me then and now. And so that all, all of that adds up to the story, I think, of the House of Brie and, and, um, and the craft and where, why, what drew me to the craft and, mm. and my life in Conjure, which was really a, a, the cultural traditions I grew up with and then learned, continued to learn growing up. Um, mm. For me, magic is all it comes down to. Magic is about bringing about visible changes through invisible means, not just for ourselves, but for the greater world and beyond. Um, for me, magic is also the art of conscious creation. And humanity, by and large, is driven by an unconscious force called the illusion of isolation. A brain that ran amok, growing too fast. And all it needs is restorative practices and a way to, to be cooled down by the rest of the nervous system and the rest of the intelligence of the body and then allow itself to be at home allow itself to crave what it craves. Every church, every synagogue, every coven, every workshop on spirituality and magic is all driven by one thing, homesickness. Homesickness. And in the homesickness is three sacred questions. Who am I? What is it? And what's my role in it? And so for me, magic fulfills that. Magic makes me a conscious creator, not uh, a abdicating one, I don't have a devil to blame things on. Mm -hmm. um, and I like that. And I think that it fulfills uh, much of why we were born is to become that. I really think magic as the great sacred art it is, is, is the ultimate spirituality. It brings spirituality and mysticism together. And to, and, but the only difference is, whereas spirituality says there is a maker, there is a, a creative consciousness that created it all and I want to be on its good side and I want to know about it live with it and then mysticism is and if I'm a part of it that means a piece of it's in me and 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 it created me for a reason I want to find that reason and live it then magic says if we are made in God's image 
that we are made to do the same kinds of things this creative force does, but maybe at a smaller degree and with supervision. <laughs> um, and so we then get in, as mama would call it, God's toolbox and, and start to, to become beings of creation. And uh, so magic, I think, begins to f truly fulfill that. Mm. And I think the magic of today is only, is the magic of today now is going to be fueled by profound insights that are happening with science, things that our, our elders knew and our elders' elders knew, but didn't know how they knew, mm -hmm. that the pagans knew, and they knew because they knew how to listen from the interior, not from the nervous system. And they listen from their life force. And we're going back to that. And the brain is going to be anointed into a higher level, you know, because it'll get out of its need for a personality, its need for an ego, its need for building a, a division between I and you and we and they, and, and we'll start to um, truly live the exalted and joyous life I think that is meant for us um, and meant for all of life. I don't think we're supposed to suffer way we do i really don't so maybe that sums up some of why i do what i do mm -hmm. you know uh, and i'm not going to stop until the last breath is 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 runs out of me and even then i'm not going to stop as a matter of fact then i can be everywhere at once <laughs> <laughs> real work starts <laughs> there you go you know um what else could I answer? I don't know if I, if that's given you. That's given us a lot. Yeah. Um, so tell me if somebody was, if somebody was new on the path, what advice would you give to them on how to pursue their, their new uh, interest in this community, in this path, what would be something you would suggest? Hey, that's my question. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the first thing that I would say is I'd applaud them on having the courage to listen to the deep abiding voice. And I would say, follow it at times with reckless abandon. Now, having said that, I would say, but you are also putting your feet on the path of responsibility and accountability. Magic is not what goes on uncharmed and bewitched as much as I'd like that. Magic is also about changing consciousness from the inside out. Magic is going to require you to, uh, to change and to uh, weed the garden of your soul. You're going to have to release those dust bunnies that are in there. The only go as on, on this path if you're ready to be sovereign. Only go on this path if you're ready to give up scapegoats and blame. And, and then if you're willing to, to, to take on that mantle of responsibility, welcome to one of the most fulfilling paths you will ever find. Because of being a witch, every temple, synagogue, every church, everywhere that is spiritual or religious speaks to you. Because of paganism, every blade of grass, every breath you take, every cloud, every molecule is your brother and sister, and you are never absent from home. And because of these ways, you're given the permission 
to be want to be in wonderment and in awe and to have a ceaseless questioning a spirit of inquiry and wonderment and then beyond that then i would say listen to your interior to find which recipe of that when you say paganism that's a big umbrella yeah mm-hmm. and you know and then i'll, I'll be there to help you but I will not be there to make you become what you to become and so those are some of the things I'd say. And, and, and in fact, I have a number of people now like this that, uh, you know, that have never done this kind of work. They're not part of the pagan community at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, they're just people who are getting drawn. Uh, and some of them have, were never drawn. They came here, visited me because they were with a friend of a friend type thing. And, and they were touched by the magic in my home and by me and by Sethlin, my partner, my fiance. And it kindled something inside of them. Um, I do think anyone who calls themselves witch is held to a higher level of, of uh, accountability. Uh, we shouldn't call it, don't call yourself a witch if you can't do witchcraft. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to be able to make magic because people will come to you with real needs. Don't tell them you can help them if you can't. Uh, but don't, don't turn them away if you can. Right. You know, and um, know that the power, magic, Lady Cersei told me a profound thing about magic once. She said, well, many things she said that were profound. She said, the gods did not give us magic. Magic gave us the gods. Wow. She said, magic is the source itself. It is both a noun and a verb. You know, it is a practice. It is an action. And it is that which makes it. When we're doing magic, we're sitting in the heart of the creator. We're sitting in the heart of the living creator, being the embodied living creator uh, in our experience. Not the totality of it. We're, we're, uh, we're an actualized wave in the great ocean of being. So, and the thing is about a wave is first the ocean emits the wave, then the wave takes the ocean with it. So... Uh, I, I, I usually encourage folks and, um, and I, and I, uh, even more important than finding the covens where they need to be is first to understand why they were called and what that's about understanding the call of the witch blood. Mm-hmm. And I'm really big on that. First, you, you need to understand your mystical calling before settling yourself into a shape. Um, because ultimately your whole everything is going to grow out of you. Your traditions will only be important to you in that they give you somewhere that you relate, somewhere, something that translates your experience, that gives you an accumulation of both wisdom and spiritual potency that, that forms a heritage that can also carry you when you can't carry you. Uh, but it doesn't make you. Ultimately, you were born to become the life that sits within you. Mm. And what I love is that the pagan recognizes the life sets within them is also the life that sets within everything else, but with perhaps with a slightly different destiny or expression, but we're all driven by the same life. And um, as we go deeper into paganism specifically, ultimately the pagans knew that there was a life that ran through everything. Mm-hmm. But just like the Bible says in my house are many mansions, they knew that you couldn't look at it all at once. Each God, Goddess, giving you a window to peer through. 
know. So there's there's some of my very verbose responses. <laughs> oh, and you gave some excellent. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, but uh, when because we met at Pentheacon, I don't know if you. I probably know your face. I'm terrible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I just started on the path probably a few months before I had gone up there, and so hearing somebody who's you said you started at 18 and you're 56 now. Yeah. I was initiated into the craft in, uh, 83. Okay. Okay. That's a few years before I was born even. So <laughs> I was kind of thinking possibly, <laughs> thank God for oil of Olay. <laughs> or as but, my, my honey calls it oil of old gay. Oh. <laughs> By the way, congratulations on your engagement. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah. and, but it was one of those things that I had not had the opportunity when I had first had my experiences and I closed out my feelings and my views uh, until just randomly uh, I started having a calling, a, a drive to connect again. And the words that you mentioned ring true and they ring true for me as somebody who's new on the path. Don't know how much longer I can use that line. I mean, granted I'm, I'm surrounded by people who have been doing it for almost as long as I've been alive <laughs> or longer. You know, never lose the feeling of being new though. Mm. Um, um, I, we're all projects in process. And what I find is, as long as we keep wonderment, there's that saying for the wise never grow old for they are nursed by living in the daylight of the gods. And we allow that childlike wonder mm. that brought you in the first place to ever fill it. Never, like I always say, I still, every circle that I walk into, I still go, <gasps> you know, I'm still am filled with that, that first time wonder of it all. Mm -hmm. And that's what gives us, keeps us ever fresh, ever young. I, I still look at myself as a newcomer, mm. constantly renewed, constantly learning, constantly growing. That's a part of the gift of this path. Mm -hmm. I love it. It, it. it does not go on absolutes, absolute truths, though there are many, many truths. Right. It allows truth to breathing, breathing room to show you its next strata, its next petal as a blossoming flower. So stay young with it. Stay delighted by it, stay fresh with it, and uh, I promise you, you will, you will, you will never regret the path you've chosen. Yeah. Well, I will definitely take those words to heart, uh, and thank you for those. Mm -hmm. Um. Okay. So, how would somebody who may be interested in fairy seership or anything related to the House of Bree? How would they connect with you? Well, um, through the website. That's one way. Now, the, having said that, the website is a train wreck at the moment. So I've really got to get to work on I it. I actually wasn't going to say anything about that. but <laughs> <laughs> I am humble. I, <laughs> um, and so it needs help. And, it, and I, I really need some help on it. Uh, because it's, you know those, I've, there's so many things on my plate that I just can't quite mm -hmm. carve up. Plus, it's not my technology. 
And so, uh, but they can at least still reach uh, me through that. Over time, I plan to grow a staff uh, so that there's more staff than just me, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and, and uh, teachers, um, certified teachers, et cetera. But for now, they can also, so they can reach me through the website where it says contact us. It does go directly to me. Or they can uh, contact mm-hmm. me at fairy, F-A-E-R-Y, seer, S-E-E-R, at gmail.com. Okay. Um, that's a good way. Um, um, and we'll see if there's a hosting. Oh, the other thing that we've done recently over the last, I guess it's two years now, is an online class. And the online class has been uh, taped so that no matter where a person comes in to a live one, they can uh, get the uh, the ones that are already taped of the, all the ones that preceded it. Nice. Okay. And oh. so that's really good. That's forming a, a, an, an institute in and of itself where I'll be able to guide a lot more people to that direction. And then what I can do is, is come in less and come in from time to time, probably at larger events, bringing the house together um, uh, on certain types of teaching, deepening the teaching, certain ceremonies and stuff of it. So Mm. uh, that's one of the, the going online has changed my life. It was, it has changed my life. It's changed my perspective on how to get this uh, message out and make it accessible. You know, Um, and that would kind of tie in with something, a discussion we had with uh, Lord Don Lewis of the Corellian tradition, mm-hmm. again, talking about that those who are willing to embrace technology will be able to continue on, and those that refuse to embrace technology may disappear. Yep. It's true. Uh, it's true. Just so that the people who are listening to this will know what your website is, it is www.orionfoxwood.com correct yes yes okay correct excellent i just want to make sure that we put that out there for anybody who might be listening um you mentioned the website but you didn't necessarily give the url so i wanted to make sure that we put it on there and we'll connect it with the with the actual post when we put this on our site oh good please and um I also I put it on Instagram and uh, Facebook. Um, I'm on Facebook a lot. Facebook is probably my number one uh, social media instrument because I, I love posting there a lot. Mm. So um, how would somebody find you on Facebook? Just uh, Orion Foxwood. Okay. Uh, yeah, he has yeah. a page, page page, as opposed to just a profile. Yeah, yeah. And I post, I'm a, I'm a constant uh, poster you know, on there. Um, I love Facebook. It's, it's an incredible instrument for, for me. And now I'm, I'm, now I'm in the uh, Instagram world. Look out world. Look out. I did notice that. I was looking at some of the photos um, uh, last night, actually. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, and I had a really good time when they were still learning. There's so much to learn about the social media piece. But you're right. Those who embrace the technology will not, they will, they will watch their work flourish uh-huh. and grow and now we're even at a time where i'm watching people developing material that was inspired by the material that they learned from uh, the house of brie and that really enjoys me um so it's lots of uh, growing out that this is doing so very fulfilling well that is definitely awesome to hear people embracing it because we've run into a few people a few places I've just been like, I don't know what this does. Yeah. 
and we're we're both very as you know uh tech minded so <laughs> it's kind of um it's a little frustrating if you want to if you're in an area where you don't have individuals close by and you're you're interested in finding community you know that your only option is usually to go online and yeah. pe people don't necessarily know where to go mm -hmm. and there's a lot of stuff available online that's not what it purports to be or perhaps not necessarily uh accurate absolutely uh, yeah that that has been you know i love the internet so much it puts so much at our fingertips but it also means uh uh incorrect stuff and that stuff can also be at people's fingertips right. as easily and, and if they don't have the discernment or don't have the knowledge you know they don't know you know but I'll tell you, uh, and, and with the, the health uh, challenge I have, I have a bilateral avascular necrosis end stage. So I'm bone on bone, both hips, uh, mm. and uh, it's in pretty bad shape. So I'm in a lot of pain. And so now I'm reducing my travel until after the operation. And even after that, there's a few things they have to keep their eyes on because I have severe osteoarthritis as well. So the going online has changed my world. Mm-hmm. Mm it has I can see that. Yep. It's changed my world. It's allowed me to continue teaching and to, uh, to, to you know, to spread the word and also to exchange with so many people. Uh, now, you know, our online class has, uh, we have students in several countries, you know. So it's, it's, a, it's an incredible time to be alive and doing this work. I agree. Yes, yes. Well, Orion, I want to thank you for taking your, the time today to speak with us. It was uh, great, and Odin's over there giving us uh, his feedback as well. Thank you, Odin. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was great talking with you. It, it definitely is wonderful to hear your stories and kind of get some insight from other people outside of our local area. That's uh, really what we want to do more of. And uh, uh, you can find us at ravensatthecrossroad.com or on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at... Uh, so on Instagram, we are Ravens at the Crossroads. At Twitter, we are Ravens Crossroad. And uh, Facebook, we are Ravens at the Crossroads. Yep, so you can find us on all those uh, social media. We also are on iTunes Music, Google Play Music, Spotify, and hopefully soon to be on Pandora. It's a six to eight week process, but we'll be there. Yeah, eventually. Or you can stream directly from the website. Again, thank you so much for taking the time, Orion. I it's really appreciate honor. it. Thank you. thank you. Many blessings to you and, and to uh, Ravens at the Crossroad. Well, thank thank you. you. Thank you. Good night now. Good night. Good night.